Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, it's a it's an honor and a blessing to be able to preach in front of y'all today. Um, this was one of the ch- first churches that I got to visit whenever I came here in town, and actually met Nate um, on campus, and he was working there, and he invited me to the church, and I was like, man, I'm already going anyway, you know. So I was I was excited and ready to come here. I visited this church. And I was like, I'm not looking anywhere else. I'm just going to continue coming here. Um, Became a member. Found my wife here, too. So, you know, (laughs) hey, that's where you want to, hey, that's where you want to find them. You want to find them here in church. (laughs) So, amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, Thank you, church, for being um, here, being, um, guiding me, um, giving me some correction, some love. Uh, praying for me, giving me scripture to bring comfort. This church has been a great blessing to me, more than y'all will ever know. So today we are going through 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. If everybody would please stand with me. And the scripture reads today, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Everybody please pray with me. Lord, we thank you just that you have persuaded us and that Jesus loves us deeply and how Jesus continues to love us even when we're selfish, even when our words aren't wise, even when we show anger and hatred towards others, Lord, that you, Lord, shape our heart and mold our heart. And Lord, I just pray today, just open the hearers, um, ears, Lord, soften hearts, Lord, give me clear speech, a sound mind, Lord, um, praying that... Um, Your words will be proclaimed today, that Jesus will be preached, Lord, that anything, Lord, that if I want to, if I want to say anything false, Lord, um, rebuke you, Lord, and just trust that I want to, I'm going to share Jesus today, Lord, just keeping Jesus exalted today, Lord, just trust in Jesus, and I pray that those who do not know the Lord will know him today, Lord, just that we know that your mighty hand is gracious loving, and Lord, we know that you provide, Lord, all of our needs. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Okay. 
As I have said, um, our scripture today is 2 Timothy verses 3, um, verses 14 to 17. So the title of today's sermon is The Sufficiency of Scripture for a Godly Life. The main idea for this sermon is that I want you to get that to be godly is to trust scripture. To be godly is to trust scripture. So this is where we are going. I have two points today. The first point is Christians must be examples of godliness for future generations. So Christians must be examples of godliness for future generations. So that's, that's very important. If we want generations, the next generations to know Jesus, we got to be there. We got to be the ones that practically live out Jesus. But it's also important that we know Jesus for ourselves because we can't just be um, giving them some half-truths or false truths, um, joking around, playing around. Like, Jesus is, a, Jesus is real. This is what we want to live out. Point two, the scriptures are authentic, eternal, and breathed out by God. So this will be verses 16 and 17. This means that because God is perfect in his characteristics, we can trust the scriptures. So we know that God has existed before creation and has lived eternities upon eternities. There is no one but God, and he existed. So we must understand that God has always existed. So the scriptures that we have today are God's revealed words to us. Consider that a gift. Consider that a great blessing that we have that. So as we dive in to verses 14 and 15, I wanted to give us some context. So in verses 10 to 3, as we previously looked, Paul is talking about his example of godliness in Jesus, um, talking to Timothy, who we wrote this letter to, and giving him comfort, and also, also just, just sharing Jesus and knowing that this letter is urgent to him because he is about to die. He is in prison his second time. And he sees nothing left, that he must share Jesus and that he is comforting Timothy to have joy. Have joy in the Lord, have joy in the scriptures, because Timothy is going to face some hard times. And also that um, there was going to be trouble in Timothy's heart because he knew his mentor, Paul, was about to be leaving this earth. But we also, we also see in this that Timothy had to have great joy because his grandma and his mother um, gave him the scriptures. And Paul also, whenever he went to Lystra, Timothy's hometown. So as we dive in, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So again, Christians must be examples of godliness for future generations. So studying the Bible is a continual process that we need to continually learn throughout the seasons of life. So seasons of life where we are deeply suffering. Then also seasons of life where... Um, things seem to be going good, things seem to be going great. So those times where we, must, we are deeply in anguish, praying 
and then other times where we have great joy and we're enjoying the Lord, we must remember in both of those times that we have to continually study in Scripture, continually growing. But also, we see, we see with this that um, you and I must continue to learn from the Scriptures and continue to grow in wisdom. So how can, how can we grow in wisdom? The fear of the Lord. If we do not fear the Lord with this healthy fear, not a fear that's like, oh, I better read my Bible. No, it's a fear that we have joy and excitement and reading about Jesus. This joy is this love and seeking after Jesus. So we see, we see this, this helps us have a background into why we want to be a, a godly and Christian example to future generations. So we see in verses 14 and 15 that in the old, um, that when a young boy like Timothy um, from the Old Testament, we see that they were taught the Old Testament when, when they were about five years old. So we see, we see this early growing, this early grooming of godliness for children. And so this is in a gentle reminder for us in our homes that we want to be this godly example um, gentle with children because we, we know children, children can get on your nerves. We, you know, they'll just they'll talk out of step. They'll be talking crazy, talking sideways at you. Um, and you, y'all don't play. Y'all know. Y'all know children will, will say some of the craziest things, do silly stuff, but those are those examples of why we must love them and show them that grace. These are these examples of why we must continually um, press in and correct, press in and, and be gentle, show them mercy. Because they don't know. Um, you gotta, we have to remember, they're not Christian. So I'll, I will back up. Some, some will become Christians early on in age, but for some children, they won't be. So we have to understand that this is a, we are in, we are God's, um, God is using us to proclaim his mercies, proclaim the gospel to children and guide them throughout life. It's a lifelong process. And the beauty of our church and the beauty of other churches is that it is a lifelong process, a continual process to grow children as they are helping us um, for the future generations. And then we see, and then I also want us to reflect that we also had godly examples to look up to whenever, um, whether we had come to church, whether it was our parents, whether it was a grandma, whether it was our uncles, um, aunts, whether it was just godly people in the church. We have to recognize everybody has somebody that shared the gospel with them. Everybody has somebody that was an example of Jesus to them. We can, all, we can all reflect on that and think about that in our own life. And for me, it was my grandma. It just was crazy. Like, I was, I was young, and I would see my grandma just praying on her knees. Then she would say, she calls me Pookie. If she doesn't call me Xavier. She calls me Pookie. So she would say, Pookie, come here. And, you know, and she teach me how to pray. And so I, that stuck with me. And she was the one that brought me to church. 
and she was the one that gave me a Bible. And just how, how powerful that is that from that Bible, I would read through it, even though I didn't necessarily understand it, and I didn't really grow that much in middle school and high school, and I didn't go to church that much. What had happened when I went to college was this shaping and growing and these seeds already planted in me. And it wasn't only my grandma. I had other godly examples that would help lead me, and that is, that's also us too. How can we, how can we complain about um, youth and what they are doing and how wayward they are if you're not going to be an example for them? So it, isn't, it, isn't it crazy? Like people, people will... Um, talk wrongly and negatively about youth, but won't do anything, won't, won't live out Jesus to them. So you, you, can't, you can't just complain about things and not, and not share the scriptures with them, can you? That's, you have to share the godly scriptures with them, and such an important need for that. That yes, they, they may, some may not know, some will know, some of you have been examples in this church and have grown up in this church, and how much of a blessing that is. So now if y'all would turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This for us is the Shema. This is... Um, God challenging parents to live out godly examples for their, their children. So this is, this is just reiterating the point with, with Paul telling Timothy that he had joy in him already um, being taught the scriptures from an early age. And this is our, this is our challenge too. So it reads, verse 4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk, to, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them, write them on your doorposts and on your house and on your gates. So this just reiterates um, that since the beginning, God has wanted um, parents to be that godly example for their children. It can't just be the pastor, your youth pastor, the Sunday school teachers. It can't just be them teaching scripture to, to youth. It can't just be them teaching scripture to, to kids. God has given you the responsibility to be the main person, to be the main people to, to shape um, the godliness in your children, to help grow them. And that's... That's a beautiful thing, and that's a beautiful call for us to have joy in that, um, that God has gifted you the responsibility to do that. And we must not take that lightly. We can't. 
And so it's, it's an it's a awesome example for us that God wants to use us to cultivate a, um, a, a heart desire for children to want to know the Lord. Um, and also that this, this godliness that works out in our homes isn't just praying at dinner. You know, just we say our little, our little five-second prayer and then amen, you know, we hungry, let's eat. It's not just that. And it, it isn't just, um, well, well, I'll read the Bible to my son or daughter, and then I'm going to lecture them. No, it's this, it's this, yes, we have family devotions, we pray, we love them. Um, but it's also that godly example lived out. So whenever they're, when they're angry at you and they say they hate you, you have to say, Lord, Lord, you have to restrain yourself. Don't, don't, don't repay evil for evil. Remember, don't repay evil for evil. And yes, there will be this constant failure. But if they, if they see how much your desperate need for Jesus is, you see that? You see the difference between, between us just, just lecturing, whether it's your kids, your spouse, and then you, you reflecting humbly, stepping back, and we'll, we'll go deeper into this um, the further we go on the sermon, but you see the difference between our cultivation and humbly saying that our desperate need for Jesus versus the flip-flop of saying, like, your desperate need for Jesus and only you. No, you aren't, you aren't this, once you're saved, this just fixed byproduct. No, the Lord has continually changing you in this process, and it's a continual process that you have to continually do and continually seek after the Lord. And your children and the youth in our church, they also need to see that because they have to, they have to reflect on who are the godly examples in their own life. And then also the scripture showing them godly examples too. And they can say, oh, the pastor, I see him doing that. Oh, my parents, I see them, my grandma. So you see, it has to be reiterated, um, reinforced. So I wanted to give this illustration just to, just to hit on this point that we are the, we are the ones that guide our youth for, the, for them to be the, the next generation. So just imagine your son, your daughter is out in the front yard. They're, they're playing, you know, riding bikes, I don't know, shooting basketball, whatever kids do today, um, playing patty cake, uh, hopscotch. I don't know, jump rope, you name it. And, and this, this dude comes up, up to them, and you know, you know um, he's, he's a drug dealer, and he comes up to your child and says, hey, I want you to sell this. Or he comes up to your daughter and says, hey, if you do this for me, you're going to make a lot of money. Or hey, if you, you sell this for me on the block, I'll, I'll give you this amount of money. I can I can make you real rich. No, you you see that in your you see that from the blinds. You come out and you run up on them. You're like, no, who are you to do this to my son, to my daughter? Who are you to ask my son or daughter to do this, to sell drugs for you? But see, we often do this when we let the children watch whatever they want to watch. Have have no boundaries. Have 
have no boundaries, have no filters, have nothing. You just want to let them run free and do what they want? No, you are there. We are there to be guides. And see, see if, if you don't proclaim truth, if we don't proclaim truth to children, then Nicki Minaj will. These, these puppet rappers will. They puppets, are they not? I mean, it's, it's true. They puppets. And so are we puppets? We don't want to be puppets like them. And if we're not sharing that truth, then somebody else will. Somebody else will give some false truth and false hope to them. And because we want to proclaim this false, not this false truth to them, and we want to proclaim the truth of the gospel to them, we see how the Lord will cultivate a heart um, in children and in us for future generations to know the gospel. And just think, of, think back to your own conversion that, that the Lord used people to help shape and change your heart, to help mold your heart. And also we see, like, we see that because we want to mold and shape the next generation, we also see that there will be evidence of that, that you'll see, you'll see little Johnny praying. You'll see little Johnny sharing the gospel with somebody because, because he has somebody to show him how to share the gospel, because he read scripture, because it's, it's this groaning in his bones, this groaning to want. You'll see, you'll see little, little Susie wanting to pray for people out of school. Um, you'll, see, you'll see them um, want, to, want to show and reflect Jesus. So this is, this is why um, we want to proclaim the truth of Scripture, the truth of the gospel to them. And so for all of us, for all of us, it is important that God has given us the Bible for our good. This is a beautiful thing. And it has been, this Bible has been saving people since the beginning of time. And will continue saving people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And it is wise for us to trust in the Lord. What does the scripture say? Trust in the Lord at all times, people. And that we know that the scriptures are powerful, unchanging. They have existed before anything has existed. That God's revealed word, that God has revealed, um, God has been existing since the beginning of time. And so now we will see um, what we give to others in verses 16 and 17. So look with me here. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the men of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we see, this is my second point, that scripture, that the scriptures are authentic, eternal, and breathed out by God. This means that because God is perfect in his, his characteristics, we can trust the scriptures. So we see, we see here gifts and revelation that the scriptures is given to us as a gift, and that is God's, um, God's words revealed to us, and that 
the Bible helps remind us to trust the Lord, that when we are weary, when we are prone to fail, when we are prone to want to go seek after other things, we got the Bible there to show us constant examples of, of men who have failed and men who have, who have appetited their own pleasures. And we see, we see if that if we do that, that if we were trying to appetite our own pleasures, the scriptures can remind us and the Holy Spirit reminds us why not to. And the scriptures remind us that those who want to dive deep in sin will, will be broken. And those who dive deep in sin will, will have a life of hurt and pain. You, as a Christian, we will already have these worries and troubles and weariness. With sin, that's, that's adding on to that. And then we see that, then we see that the Bible guides us to right belief and right practice. And that there is no new interpretation on scripture. Um, if, yeah, there's no new interpretation on scripture. Nobody can come up to me and tell me like I got a new word from the Lord. No, brother, you don't. Nobody has a new word from the Lord. And that's, and that's the true thing. Uh, you, we, see these, we see these different books that try and um, emulate or copy the Bible with the Quran or the Book of Mormon or other books that people try and play, play like they know the truth, but they're suppressing the truth that's already been there for centuries upon centuries. And that um, the Bible teaches us that there's nothing brand new under the sun. Um, we can't just be playing like, we just can't be playing like that. So we see, we're going to slow down here, so we're going to see that the Bible also is for teaching and preaching, and that we must understand that, um, that the disciples, the apostles, um, the prophets, all of them, they show us that they were using Scripture. They were quoting Scripture. They were living out Scripture practically in their lives. And that's an example for us, too, that we live out ex- um, Scripture practically in our own lives. So we see here for, um, in verse 16 that, hold on, back up. So in 2 Peter um, 20 and 21, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, it shows us, I'm just referencing it, it shows us this example of these eyewitnesses that Peter and, and John, Paul, all of them, they were eyewitnesses to Jesus that, that the scriptures say that they experienced Jesus with their hands, that they could, they could actually give Jesus a high five. Not just, that's, don't take that seriously, but that they, they learned under Jesus for those three years that Jesus prayed for them. Jesus, Jesus cleaned their feet. Jesus died on the cross for their sins, ours too. That they got to see that, they got to see God manifest out. In real life, see God wrapped in flesh as Jesus. So we see here that the that the scriptures in verse ten or sorry, verse sixteen is for teaching. That scripture teaches us 
that, that we need, what we need in our application to be godly. So a lot of times people have this misinformation when, when they don't really know the Bible. They, they have this misinformation that God hates them, that God doesn't love them, that because they are suffering, um, God doesn't love them. And then we see on the other hand, we see with some that they are suppressing the truth of the Lord, that they know the truth is there, but they suppress it. They're like, um, no, I don't, I don't want to believe that. Even though you, you hit them with everything as far as you hit them with everything, whether it could be historical this, historical that, but to keep the main thing the main thing, you got to share Jesus. You got to keep the main thing the main thing. Because it don't, it don't really matter. Um, it matters a little bit to, to understand and reflect and know what they're going through. But what I've seen with a lot of people who don't know Jesus and who, who have, um, are out in rebellion against Jesus is that it's not, just, it's not just misinformation, but that they have this anger that hasn't been satisfied. They have this God-shaped hole in their life that needs to be changed. And the Lord is the only one that can do that. And we see this is Paul's continual thrust throughout this letter and all of his letters, is that he wants to show, he wants to show us that it's Christ crucified. He comes with a simple message. And that with Paul, it's about Jesus. And for us, that's the same thing. It's this continual push that... We teach, we teach Jesus' example, and we live out Jesus' example. And that it's a foundation for our church, too. That the Bible, um, the Lord's precious scriptures were given to us to help us stay in line, to stay um, in our foundation, to truly keeping guidance and in step with the Lord. As we see throughout the scriptures, people are prone to fail. They don't kind of fail like they, they out there getting buck wild and they sin. Just, just crazy, crazy. But let's not play because um, in our sin, we be trying to go crazy, crazy too. So it ain't, it ain't just them in the Bible, but it's us too. So understand that we be trying to go crazy, crazy in our own sin. But the Lord is so gracious to us to have the scriptures here for us. Then we see... We see um, in verse 16, we see for reproof and for cor- correction. So before we can reprove and correct others, um, we have to see that we have our own log in our own eye, the Matthew 7. So you have to understand for us to see clearly um, what somebody else is going through, what somebody else's sin is, we must reflect deeply on our own sin, reflect deeply and understand that God has saved us. God has changed our heart. So when we come to a brother or a sister, or for when we um, need to correct somebody or reproof, um, that it's, it has to be from a humble heart, that God has been merciful to me, God has been merciful to you, and that because God has been merciful to us, that we, then we can come to others and give reproof and rec- um, correction because, um, because we love the Lord and we want to be there for their good. Um, 
And then this is also a reflection just to think with Paul penning this letter to Timothy that Paul had people who um, abandoned him on the mission field. Paul had people cursing behind his back. Paul had people talking mess on him behind his back. Um, Timothy is going to have people talking mess on him behind his back. Timothy is going to have people cursing at him behind his back and, and cursing him in his face too. And, and for this gospel that they proclaimed, they got beat up for it, imprisoned, long nights without food, long nights abandoned because, because people didn't want the gospel. Some of them were um, in rebellion against God and didn't want it. So we also see that this, this shows our blind spots too, that when we take the log out of our own eye, just give that picture, it's not just the little speck, but it's the log out of our own eye. When we take that out, we can really see clearly um, the person's speck. And this also helps us with our, our blind spots and seeing that there are certain things that we don't know. There are certain things that we don't know about ourselves being sinners. And it's, it's kind of funny because I, one of the things that I learned whenever I got married was that, dang, I'm more of a sinner than I thought I was. Like, I could, I could kind of fake it, you know? I could kind of fake like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty holy. I'm pretty godly. And then I got married and I was like, dang, I'm further away from God than I thought I was. So this, this gives me, it gave, it really does, it really gave me a beautiful picture of that. I'm, I am a sinner, like, man, I need Jesus desperately. And, yeah, it just, <laughs> but it's also, it's been so amazing and great to be married. And it also, um, it helps, it's helped grown me a lot. So when my wife has to reprove and correct me, I got to humbly submit to scripture, and, and <laughs> well, women, make sure y'all do it too. Don't, don't just, <laughs> make sure, yeah, don't, don't just amen for that. Amen for the Lord using your husband to reproof and correct you too. So, <laughs> as long as we do it both ways, amen. <laughs> but for all of us, we can't just be willing to play holy in church. Um, just because others at church see you as holy and godly, don't be playing. Because like I reiterated on my last point, is that I'm not, I can't just be coming up in here playing holy and godly to y'all if I'm, not, if I'm not practicing godliness to my wife. Y'all see that? Because that public practice needs to show private practice. Y'all see that? That just because others can see that public, external godliness, because you dress nice, you, you got it rocking, you fly up in here, but what are you in private? That's, our, that's deep right there, because God sees everything. He sits high, and he looks low. See, God is in them low places that we want to we wanna hide to and run to to pursue sin. Understand that, that we want to pursue sin deeply. We don't want God. We don't want to know the Lord. We want to pursue that sin. Y'all see that? 
we would, we would happily, if it wasn't because the Lord revealed Jesus to us, we would, we would go full out in rebellion in our sin. And we would happily do that. So happy to do that, to go out and pursue that sin happily. But the Lord has been so gracious to us to give us the scriptures for teaching, for reproof, for, re- for correction. And now we see for training in righteousness. That we are disciples in the doctrine and practice of scripture. We are sent out into this world. There is not such a thing as a secret Christian. God has sent us out. You're not, gonna, you're not going out into this world and not being a Christian. We can't play this double life. God has called us to be salt and light. Um, we are God's people. We as God's people are equipped for every good work, as it says in, in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That the Lord has given us um, this call. The Lord has called you. The Lord has equipped you. And, and challenges us to be more than we are. So if any of y'all have been to a gym, you, you see different types of people. You see certain people. You see those guys that just come in there, you know, push a bunch of weights, the bodybuilders. Then you see some other guys that just will sit on equipment and, and texting and being on their phone, scrolling through social media. Then you also, you'll see, you'll see some people in there, um, you see them doing some, some weird stuff like, I don't think that machine is for that. Um, yeah, you just like, you scratch your head like, uh, what's, what's going on here? Um, but the one thing I wanted to hit on with looking at a gym is that a lot of times we see that the people who, who stay um, working in gyms, stay working out in the gym, we see usually that a lot of them have a buddy with them. We see a lot of times that they have somebody else with them to encourage them. Y'all see where I'm going with this? That as disciples of Jesus, that, um, that we are life on life with others, that we are texting each other, we are giving each other encouragement, that we are confessing sin to each other, that we are praying for one another, um, that we are, um, that we are giving each other scripture for encouragement. It's that life on life, that life on life discipleship of trusting the Lord and living it out. And that we must have godly people to come alongside us. It can't just be me, myself, and I. Me, myself, I, and Jesus. No, it's not me, myself, I, and Jesus. It is, it is the Lord who has graciously given us pastors, um, deacons, who has graciously given us godly women in the church, who has graciously given us godly men in the church, who come alongside us. How beautiful a gift is that, that there is no better community to be in than the one that's at church, the ones that know Jesus. What does it say? When two or three are gathered? Isn't that a blessing? It's such a gift to us that we get to be alongside one another, that we get to help disciple the next generation, that we get to help disciple others.
such a blessing for us. And that we, we go to church and have had the gospel shared to us, and it has been taught to us, that we understand that the Lord uses us. We are instruments in the Redeemer's hands, these beautiful instruments, broken, um, hating God, cursing God, telling God we, wouldn't, we don't want to know him, telling God that we, when we wake up, sometimes we don't seek after the Lord. But we see here how the Lord uses foolish us, selfish us, to go out and share with the world, to go out and proclaim the gospel with the world, that foolish us get to share the beautiful good news of Jesus with everybody, that foolish us who are caught in sin, who are selfish, who are angry and bitter at others, has to learn and grow and share that mercy of the Lord with others. Like we learned last week that we have this mercy extended to us, so we must be kind to others. So now that we have gone through these scriptures, we see that there are three takeaways and three applications that I want y'all to apply in your own lives. That, that our church, that the church corporately, the church um, universally, must be the ones engaging the community with the gospel, with the example of Jesus. And we have this in our church right here, that um, we are engaging the Newburgh community. And we must, we must be the ones engaging the community to love them, to reflect Jesus to them, to show them why we need the gospel. Then we see, my, then number two, we see that you must have joy in the gifts that the Lord has given you. That it is a continual process, but that the, the Lord has called you. And since he has called you, he has equipped you in that process as a disciple to go out into the world. And that this last one is that the scriptures have been fought for us and preserved for centuries upon centuries. Whether it was Africa, Asia, or Europe, they have fought for the scriptures for us. And people have, have suffered, have died, have defended uh, upon defended the Bible and have gotten martyred for the Bible and we can't read our scriptures, can't read them for five minutes, can't have joined the Lord for five minutes. You can't, you can't um, read the scriptures and pray for an hour, but we can watch these shows and other things for that long. So we understand that this is the challenge how, how are we going to shape others if we don't know the scriptures, if we don't know the Lord? For us to shape others, to mold others, to disciple others, we got to know the Lord, and we got to know his scriptures. Everybody pray with me. Lord, we thank you just for the great and mighty foundation that you have. Lord, that you have always existed before anything was ever created, that you call silly us, foolish us to share the gospel with others, that you have equipped us, that because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, that because he had lived the life that we couldn't live and died the perfect death that we don't deserve, that you, Lord, have shaped us into instruments 
to redeem others, Lord, that you have grown us, molded us, Lord, that we, we love you, Lord, that, that you are so gracious to us, that you choose little specks like us to go out into this world. Lord, we thank you and all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, I do pray.